Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hello, yogis. Welcome to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica. And before we get to this week's episode, we have a quick note from our sponsor, the Atman Yoga School. Uh, The Atman Yoga School has just a few spots left, two or three, in our upcoming Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training in Oslo, the end of March. And we have a few spots. All of the training is filling up in Bergen in May, the same training, Restore and Yoga Nidra teacher training. And then our last training of the year uh, before I take off on maternity leave is our five-day intensive vinyasa yoga teacher training. So this is in Oslo, and it is all about practical teaching technique and skill. So it's open to anybody who has graduated from a 200-hour teacher training and wants to really just learn more about the nitty-gritty of becoming a strong vinyasa yoga teacher. It also serves as a bridge program for our 340-hour advanced vinyasa teacher training, which will be starting uh, the next round again in May 2021. All of those dates are very close to being announced, but um, the five-day training serves as a standalone. You can take it just by itself, or it is a prerequisite for our advanced training. So if you have any questions about any of this or interested in more information, please send us an email at hello at atmanyogaschool.com. So as we get to this week's uh, episode, I am absolutely thrilled to have Katrina Matiasen as my guest. She is well known here in Norway for teaching pregnancy yoga, her book, Yoga Mama, her website, Yoga Mama, and we just get into it. Everything about pregnancy and yoga and, and being a mother. And the important thing here is it's not just being a physical mother to a baby or a child, it's being a mother in the sense of the very nurturing and nourishing feminine qualities that we can embody uh, regardless of our actual choices in life. So tune in and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and today's episode is so important and I'm just absolutely thrilled to have my guest. Um, So welcome, Katrina Matisson. Hi, thank you. Yes, and so I invited you to come on the podcast um, because I think in Norway, you're certainly one of the experts on pregnancy yoga and um, you're a yoga teacher, you run teacher trainings for Gravid for pregnancy, and then you've also written a book. And so you're really in the space of understanding. And you just gave birth to your fourth baby, which is so amazing. Congratulations. And Thank you. So you're really in the space of understanding uh, this really important, crucial time in, in both a woman's life, but also in a family's life. And so I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, First of all, I guess, how how did you get drawn to focusing on pregnancy yoga? Um, well, uh, I had been practicing yoga for 10 years already when I was pregnant with my first child, my son, Louis. Uh, and my practice had been um, largely Iyengar yoga. Um, and as I 
discovered I was pregnant and continued with my practice. I noticed how the practice was changing and I started to prepare for um, birth and motherhood in general. And I realized uh, it was like this beautiful process of layer by layer being peeled off where I realized that oh my God, what a resource uh, my practice could be to me uh, in supporting, helping, guiding me through pregnancy, birth, and being a mom in general. And that that practice would certainly look very different from uh, the younger practice that I had had for 10 years already. So... Uh, as it became clear to me that with pregnancy, everything in my life was changing. My body, my relationships, my priorities, you know, even as things like, you know, the car and the home and the clothes and the, my day and routines, my values, everything was changing. So why would my yoga practice stay the same? So then having realized that, uh, I, this was like just, I was just touching on, you know, uh, this whole universe of pregnancy yoga, feminine yoga in general. The big question for me became, okay, so if it's not, you know, the strict linear disciplined Iyengar yoga, then how would this practice look? Mm. And what did yeah. you find? Like what, how would you describe this feminine yoga or pregnancy yoga? Um, well, it's really interesting because it keeps, uh, this is something that keeps developing the whole time. And uh, um, I certainly discovered that now with my fourth pregnancy, my practice was, again, uh, different to what it had been previously. But I can say, in general, it's a very soft, feminine, organic, circular, and nourishing practice. So all the, the kind of um, the outer forms or shapes of the physical practice is not so important as the um kind of inner experience of it mm. uh, it of course includes a lot of breath work a lot of pranayama that is you know your your breath is an amazing support throughout life and in general and specifically uh, during the ups and downs of pregnancy during the incredible intense experience of childbirth and motherhood in general, I mean, which is uh, uh, a very rewarding, but also very challenging journey. So I think full of joy and sacrifice. And I think being connected to your, to your breath and uh, knowing how to use that um, as a mother is really important. And also it includes a lot of community, a lot of... Uh, a um, lot of time with, with other women. Um, it includes things like affirmations, 
visualizations, you know, learning about labor, learning about postpartum. Yeah, I think the, the moment that you're that you've become pregnant, it's like you've accepted in this uh, universal club of mothers, mm. uh, and it's like you're entering this brand new sphere. It's a whole it's a whole new world, and and yoga can really be and has certainly been for me like the the uh, most valuable. Uh, resource and support. It's well, I speaking from my experience, that's absolutely been true as well. Like it's, um, (laughs) I, I've had so many women and, and probably more so in the States than here, but, uh, who used to come to my classes as a student and they'd be, you know, coming every single day doing these intense, rigorous vinyasa practices while pregnant. And, I mean, I had women who would come to my class three up until three days before they gave birth. And so I, I often kind of had this idea. I was like, oh, cool. You know, whenever I get pregnant and I, I'm going through this journey, like, I hope that's how I am. And I had this weird expectation, you know, because I'd been practicing for so long and teaching for so long. And then I got pregnant and it was a very intentional, conscious journey to get there. And then all of a sudden a vigorous practice is the last thing that I want. And I, my practice right now, I'm 22 weeks. So a little over halfway is so gentle. And so I would say my biggest yoga practice is actually, uh, ahimsa and giving myself space to not have a physical practice look the way I quote unquote think it should. And rather really being like, okay, how can I strengthen my intuition in this moment as I'm growing this child within me? And so it's, yeah, incredibly empowering, I think, to listen to the internal wisdom rather than being like, oh, well, I see all these women going to the gym and, or, you know, on Instagram, I see so many women and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. They're like going, they're, you know, lifting weights and they're going to, they're doing their headstands and they're, you know, eight months pregnant. And so I, I, I love that you talk about it being different than a regular practice for some women. Well, thank you for being so honest about this because it's certainly a change that doesn't come easy to a lot of women. Yeah. And especially those with an established yoga practice before they have a much harder time accepting pregnancy yoga as different than those women who have never done yoga before because a lot of women find yoga when they're pregnant. They Because when you're pregnant, you have two hearts in your body and I believe that we are much more connected to our wisdom and our intuition and we just know that yoga is good for us. Yoga is better, certainly, than going to the gym or loads of other things. We might not know why, but we just feel that this is something that we should give ourselves. This is something that will be good for us to do. So a lot of women come to yoga and they're a bit like, oh, I'm sorry, but I haven't done yoga before. And I'm always like, wow, you're in a great place. This is an amazing starting point, you know, to be able to start I mean, yoga means union, right? And when you're pregnant, you are already in union. You mm-hmm. are already two or more, you know, people uh, sharing that practice. So 
pregnant women are incredible yoginis. And I think that accepting that your practice will change really helps you to accept the changes in your life on other levels when you do become a mother. Mm. And I think so, again, you know, our practice really reflects life off the mat. And like I said earlier, like everything changes. Why would your practice stay the same? Mm. So I think this is something that once you've kind of realized it and experienced it, it's a no-brainer. It's like, of course. But I think it's really important to respect that all women have you know, different journeys. And it takes one of my, my, my biggest, uh, like practices has been to now that you've, you you were so open and honest about how you thought, you know, this, I hope I can you know, <laughs> do my headstand. And all yeah. That. It's been to, to be non-judgmental towards those women who come in like, oh, can we please do X amount of sun sanitation? I really need a workout. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'll come to you, but I'll still, you know, do my Bikram practice and everything that I, <laughs> that I, you know, don't think is the best practice for pregnant women. Then my own practice is really to accept that we all have our different journeys and just trust the practice that I offer and that that practice will, you know, sneak in and uh, eventually uh, inspire or help or support all women to make the best choices for themselves and their babies. And it's not to say that pregnant pregnancy yoga is not dynamic. I mean, a lot of my own practice in this last pregnancy was dance. Mm. I mean, I would, it, it was not, uh, you know, known uh, asana. My, my whole body would just, um, what's the word, like would uh, protest or rebel if I, you know, took a, a tukonasana or something. I would just not be in any shape, but just move freely and organically and quite dynamically on on my mat with loud music and kundalini drums. And mm. it, it doesn't have to be all quiet. I mean, I, I think in general, all practice should be you know, both dynamic and relaxing. We need the balance for our emotional health. We need both. And that goes for pregnancy as well. So it doesn't have to be all just lying down, relaxing, but it certainly needs to be uh, promoting, you know, good health for the pregnant woman and for the baby. And I think there are, or I know that there are, you know, so clear uh, the science behind this. I mean, when, when you know the changes that a pregnant woman is going through, it becomes so obvious what kind of practice will support those changes in the best possible way. Mm. And it's certainly not, you know, systems of yoga that for other people can be really beneficial and beautiful uh, will not have the same effect with pregnant women because it's such... A different state of body and mind. 
Absolutely. And I think you run teacher trainings in pregnancy yoga, and I run teacher trainings in, in just vinyasa and Ayurveda. And this question comes up all the time, like, how do we modify for pregnant women? Or what do I tell a pregnant woman when they come to my class? And there's just so little in general knowledge or education about what's really happening in a woman's body. And it's, you know, 50% of the population is female. And, and of that, a certain percentage of women will have a, a physical, bear a physical child. Um, and for me, that's why this conversation is so important is because I think we should be making a distinction or at least opening the door to there being possibility of a distinction between different practices, both physically, but also energetically during this period in a woman's life because so many things change and and so many women's experiences are totally different. Um, mm. I think because my experience has been the message I've gotten so much for myself is relax, 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 rest, rest, rest. And that mm. <clears throat> I love to rest. I have no problem resting. Mm. But it also is a little counterintuitive to like you know, oh, I want to do a, a fluid dynamic vinyasa practice. And mm. for me, the first trimester, I was so, so sick and I couldn't sleep because I was in pain. And so I was tired, or like really tired. And it was just, I couldn't eat. and It was terrible. And the thing that really surprised me is um, when I would try my chanting practice, which I have a daily chanting practice normally, um, it made me so ill like physically <laughs> ill to chant. And so it was like asking <laughs> and my Ayurvedic doctor and, and he was like, well, you know, try and push through and do it. And if you really are sick, then don't do it. And I had asked in a Facebook forum too of Ayurveda, like, what do you think, like what's going on? And people were like, oh, it's too much Apana Vayu and there's this and there's that. And at the end of the day, at some point, we have to just kind of trust ourselves too. And so I was yeah. like, okay, I can't, I can't chant right now even mm. though I would love to. And, mm. and now I can chant again and I'm fine. But having space for something different to occur than what we thought might happen, mm. I think is, is the message. Yeah. And I think, you know, I have, um, I have a very basic, simple question that will help anyone um, either teach or practice uh, yoga during pregnancy in a in a very good way so usually all the questions that I that I get is about what I can or what somebody can or cannot do like like to use you as an example like can I do my chanting practice or yeah. can I do my headstand practice can I do this can I do that while the answer is very often, yeah, you know, if you modify a little bit here and do that there and make sure you don't do 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 do, then usually, yeah, you can do it. You know, it's not going to kill you or the baby. But I think the question that should be asked is what at this stage of pregnancy, at this phase in my life, what is beneficial for me to do now? And then mm. I think the answer is really different. You know, it's not a modified Ashtanga practice. It's not. Uh, your daily headstand practice if you know you practice against the wall or have somebody stand next to you in case you lose your balance which is completely off during pregnancy and might fall and hurt the baby you know if 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 yeah you can do it but if you start from the perspective of okay so you're pregnant you're tired 
you you feel a lot of nausea you uh, feel an incredible emotional roller coaster you're opening like emotional uh, spaces within you that you didn't know you had you are questioning a lot of things in your life so both internally externally physically mentally everything is a little bit off balance in flux so yeah so your practice should be very well balanced between rest and movement it should be free you know organic uh, circular movements that as uh, supports your feminine forms uh, it should be um, of course all the physical things so you know you walk steadily instead of jumping you don't uh, take your feet too wide you don't take your stance too long all of this to protect your very very vulnerable hips and pelvis mm. of course you don't do anything where you lie on your stomach most people are like yeah okay i get that but you'll be surprised you know when you're pushing through x amounts of sun salutations people will be like well i'll just quickly go by my stomach you mm. know it's like uh okay so we don't do that and also you don't do anything that will um make you have to use your abdominal muscles at all just leave this whole area in peace mm. so much is happening must to your muscles they will for everyone the split and you know go out to the side to make room for the baby this is completely normal it's natural it happens to everyone and you shouldn't put any kind of uh, weight bearing uh, what's the word belastning on on this area just just keep just give it peace mm. you know so that excludes a lot of of regular uh, asanas or asanas that are um, practiced by a lot of women before pregnancy yeah um, you should do a lot of things that will help you strengthen the spine which because of the lack of contact with the core muscles will take a lot of the the weight during pregnancy you should do a lot to very safely open uh, your hips and stretch your pelvic floor and the pelvic floor is a whole chapter <laughs> oh yes uh, so yeah so you know just very um uh to just kind of sum up a little bit the the work that you do with your hips and pelvis and your pelvic floor and your core, your abdomen and spine and your uh, shoulders and upper chest. Very important areas that uh, needs to be addressed in a very specific way for it to be a safe and beneficial practice. Mm. Yeah, that actually made me laugh a little bit because hearing you talk about that. Last night I was laying on my pregnancy ball and, and I used to love doing back bends and, and that's a big part of my practice. And I was, I'm feeling so tight as my belly grows and, and, you know, I have to work even harder to keep my posture upright. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I just want to see if I can stretch over my pregnancy ball, like in a back bend. <laughs> and I, I, I got so stuck 
in this back bend. Like, and I wasn't, it wasn't weight bearing or anything. Like I was completely relaxed. I was just laying over the ball with my arms overhead, touching the floor. And thank God my husband was there. And then I started laughing when I realized I was like, oh my God, I can't get out of this position. And, and then when I was laughing, I couldn't catch my breath because my belly and lungs were stretched, you know, so tightly. And I was like yelling at my husband, like, help, through laughing, like, help me, help me, pick me up. And he had to come over and like pick me up off the ball. And I was like, I was like, wow, okay, that's the first really big sign <laughs> that I can't yeah. do anything, me personally, can't do anything yeah. similar to what I might have done before. Yeah. And I just, I laughed so hard, but, yeah. um, but it's a learning, it's, you know, it's a learning process. You can't get it right. You know, yeah. Immediately all of the time it's, you have to discover also, but in, you know, I, I think before it's been like, Oh, do whatever makes you feel good. But yes. I think that we are so disconnected from our bodies and s identify so much with our minds and our egos that what makes us feel good is actually just kind of stimulating our ego and is not might not be good for our bodies. We are, I see again and again, so disconnected from what we actually need. We spend a lot of time giving ourselves what we think we need. Mm. So I think this is this is what yoga can really do for pregnant women, help us move out of our minds and into our bodies. Absolutely. And the big thing that I see, and this is this is true for everybody, not just pregnant women, but I think is is possibly, well, my opinion is it's even more important during pregnancy. And then I want to I would love to hear your opinion since this is the realm you're in so often, but um the spiritual connection during pregnancy, during delivery, during postpartum. You know, I think for so many modern women, that's not even a consideration. You know, it's very much about the physical, like, okay, how do I physically get pregnant? How do I physically grow this baby within me? How do I physically get it out of my body? How do I physically, you know, get back, get my pre-baby body back or whatever crazy thing people think? What do you think is the importance of the spiritual connection during this time in a woman's life? Well, I think it's incredibly uh, important. I think it's um, it kind of moves it from being uh, something that we can think about and deal with rationally to to being something that we can embrace with our whole selves as uh, something something different, something bigger, something more valuable than other things that we can schedule in the diary, you know, train for or prepare for in, in any way. I think having, you know, being pregnant, giving birth, becoming a mother, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it really, it's, uh, really takes its toll on, mm. on women, you know, on, on our bodies, in our lives, it affects absolutely everything. And I think embracing the spiritual aspect helps us accept the things that are happening to us, uh, both good and bad, much better. Um, 
I've certainly felt this myself, uh, that opening up for, and it's, I, I say it's for each child, I've opened up more <laughs> for mm. this. I mean, when it happens, the first sec, I mean, you're certainly very conscious, awakened, aware of everything that has been happening to you on this journey so far. But not all women are like that. And I wasn't like that. It kind of just happened. And for each child, I've been more and more in awe of the miracle that is unfolding within me. Uh, and, you know, how nature is moving. I was going to say moving through me, but actually how I am nature and how all um Everything that is happening, it's its more than, you know, counting weeks, packing the bag to hospital, you know, doing the right thing when the baby's born, following a sleep routine. It is so much more. And I think opening up for that on some level, I mean, everyone's different and everyone's got their own journey and their own path. But I really do think that it, one of the, I think the three main things for me on this journey has been accept, gratitude, and uh, calm, peacefulness. Mm. So to create the, to, to create the kind of breeding ground, the, a fertile ground for those three things to grow is very important and I think that's almost impossible if you don't open up for the incredible you know things that are moving through you on this journey mm. yeah well and I mean there's just there's so so many parts to it and so many chapters to the story and <clears throat> You know, for me, being a first-time mom and first time being pregnant, like it's just every little thing is so incredibly exciting. And um, it, it's a real, I would say for me, my experience, even though physically I've had quite a bit of discomfort, overall, it, it's joyful. And and I love that. Like it's almost like this little secret you have for yourself where you're like, oh my gosh, there's this baby and, and it's it's part of my family. And when you think karmically speaking, you know, in yoga and Ayurveda, we believe that the soul of the child is choosing the, the, the vehicle and yeah. the family to play out certain karmas. And it's a reciprocal <laughs> experience where the parents have karma that plays out with the child and the child has karma that plays out with the parents and the family and siblings. And, and for me, you know, this has been so much of a spiritual journey, but you're right. That's because a lot of it for me has to do with my background and the way I've approached the whole situation and, and my experiences and my education. And not everybody has that experience. But one thing I don't have experience with yet, and I know you have a lot of experience, is the actual labor and delivery part. Mm. What um, I know you've been sharing on Instagram recently about the labor and delivery of your fourth child, your daughter, Maude, and it's just absolutely so beautiful, the story and the way that you write it and the way that you share it, and um, very spiritual, very present, very connected. And I think there's so much fear around the delivery, and 
you know, I was sharing with you before we started recording in the U.S. in particular, it's it's the statistic is one third of women have a C-section. Um, and then the U.S. has, if not the highest, almost the highest rate of maternal mortality in the Western world, in the first world countries. And even though, you know, there's all the doctors and there's all the medicine, there's something missing obviously something missing that's creating such a panic and such a fear and such a such different outcomes than perhaps we might wish for women going through this experience and i think you know based on what i've read on your instagram profile or stories is you know you you have you personally made your deliveries uh, a spiritual experience mm. is that correct or can you talk to us a little bit about how you've worked with women or you worked with yourself kind of getting away from the fear mentality and getting into a different attitude about the process. Yeah. I think this is uh, probably one of the, so how yoga can help women is by, uh, by helping them throughout their pregnancies to, to connect to themselves, to their babies, to their breath and actually turn because a lot of women are fearing birth, and I think it's because of all the stories that's uh, circulating. It's usually the bad ones that people mm. get told. Uh, I mean, I, I, I usually say if, if yoga can help with one thing, it's by, it's by turning you know, an approach of fear to an approach of joy when it comes to, to giving birth. Um, I think the one... The, the one most important thing about this uh, delivery of Maud, my, my fourth uh, birth, was the total absence of fear. Now, part of that, of course, I think is connected to the fact that I had done it three times before. Yeah. So I kind of knew, <laughs> uh, I knew very well, you know, what was happening. But all deliveries are different all children are different you know I was 40 so I was older I was 29 when I had my first baby and so you you know even if you've you've done it before there's you know no guarantee it's going to be the same or we all have you know um, different birth stories but I think so that's one aspect, the fact that I'd done it before, but also uh, all the work that I've done, not just, you know, in my work as a pregnancy yoga teacher, but with, um, with myself and this baby during this pregnancy, I had a very a beautiful daily practice. Um, I felt that I knew my baby already. I felt that we had been preparing for this delivery together. I allowed myself to to kind of do everything that I'd been wanting to do, like like bring a doula mm. and bring a photographer. And my husband's like, "Wow, are you sure? I mean, do you do you remember <laughs> your birth?" So I was like, "Yeah, I do." And actually, you know. Uh, I would really love to document it. It's the last time. And my photographer, she was also a doula. And I gave birth at the ABC clinic at Ulvo Sykus, the alternative birth clinic. So it's a midwife-led unit. 
based on Ulvol Sykehus. So in case of complications, uh, in no time the birthing woman can be you know, rolled over into the regular birthing unit uh, and be helped by, by doctors and medicine if she needs it. If not, you know, it is a natural process. We do have everything we need inside to give birth to our babies. A lot of things in our life and society have led us to believe that we need uh, medicine. We need uh, doctors. We need a lot of things um, to, to give birth to our babies. Actually, we don't, but some things will help and support us better than others. And mm. in my case, I, you know, I had my husband who had also been through this and had no fear. You know, he's generally really calm, <laughs> optimistic guy. I had my doula and the photographer who's also a doula, the wonderful midwives at the ABC. And my, I mean, my husband, he observed and told me later that he felt that he was part of a tribal gathering of women. Mm. And I think that's, that's how it should be. You know, I think we need wise women around us on this to support us on this journey to motherhood. And for me to be able to have, you know, this team of women and my husband around me during um, my birth, uh, I feel just so incredibly lucky and privileged that I had this experience. Um, it was very calm. We were hardly talking at all. The, my doula could just listen to my breathing when the contractions came. She did her doula things, which is, you know, massaging, gentle touch, hip squeeze, all of her techniques that actually really help. Mm. Um, they, I felt that there was, you know, a lot of people, but so much space for me to be, I don't think I've ever felt as uh, free, as uh, uh, accepted as myself with all the expressions and the sounds and the needs of a woman during labor and as loved and supported as I did. And that is it's a feeling and an experience that I am so hoping for for all women to be able to have, to come out of it on the other side of that momentous mountain that is birth and feel, okay, I arrived at this place with my baby and I feel empowered. I feel strong. I feel respected. I feel that I really, you know, this is something that I can take with me and know for the rest of my life that I can do. It's such an incredible feeling. And I'm, that's part of what's kind of motivating me all the time in my work as a pregnancy, pregnancy yoga teacher to, to allow or guide other women towards that same experience. Mm. That's so beautiful and just <clears throat> incredibly inspiring. And, you know, it's hard for me to say because I haven't been in this experience before. And I, I've heard probably 
more of the of the stories that weren't good experiences than I have of the experiences like you had or you know some of the other women you and I know here in Oslo who've had great birth experiences as well and I however am really it's funny somebody asked me recently they said well aren't you aren't you afraid to give birth like like a no brainer like aren't you afraid mm. and I was like no actually I'm in a really strange way I'm <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to the labor and delivery. And I'm sure any women listening to this who've gone through the process might be just like scoffing, like, yeah, she says that now. <clears throat> but I think when we have all of these tools to help us reconnect to the power within, I don't see why, barring any sort of medical emergency, I don't see why we can't have this incredibly intense powerful, intimate experience that is beyond just the pain. You know, we're so mm. quick to label everything with yeah. good or bad, yes or no, black or white. And, and that's what yoga teaches us too. And that's what, you know, the, the sacred texts teach us is <laughs> we got to get beyond the attachment to the labels or the attachment mm. to the judgments and see okay, the bigger picture here. And I think if we're able to prepare and we have, like you've said, during the pregnancy, had other women around us to mm. support, to talk with, to show the way, to give encouragement, like, hey, you've got this. Um, it does really make me think a lot too of, of a, a very tribal experience and how it used to be mm. way, 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 way back before the industrial period. And you know, before we got so independent as a society. And so, oh, I can do it on my own. And and women in particular, the messages that um, I think the generation right above us really heard, which is you can have it all. You can be a mom, mm. you can work hard, you can. And then all these women are now having midlife crises because mm. they're finding that there's not enough support for them to be independent enough to do all these things. And so when we scale that whole idea back down to just the microcosm of delivery, mm. yes, we are independent enough and strong enough, but isn't it better <laughs> to have <sighs> people supporting us and, mm. and, and women who understand, you know, I, um, I was talking with my mom this week and she's going to be at, at my delivery and, and I've been talking with my husband and, and my doula. And that's what I'm hoping for. Like, I want there to mm -hmm. be some chanting. I want there to be some breath. I want it to be an experience that's something that I can look back on, that we can all look back on and be like, wow, <laughs> what was that? Because it's so primal. And, and I think when we've gotten away from that idea of it being allowed to be primal, like it's so sterile, it's so medical, it's so mm. get, get in get out, have the baby, and then the, and then your life begins. Mm. It's like, well, what a strange message. You know, why can't the life with our child begin while they're in utero and then and then the shared experience of giving birth and the baby coming out? And so I'm always so thankful to talk with women who've had had an experience like you've talked about, where it's mm. like, okay. I think that you've come such a long way I mean just having that attitude of looking forwards to birth changes everything because when birth is actually happening it's not like you go straight into panic mode 
and be like, oh no, oh my God. <laughs> You'll be like, okay, taking a moment, deep breath, and starting to celebrate the fact that you will meet your daughter or your son. And then with that attitude, you're kind of opening up, you're, you know, keeping a steady, calm breath. You are opening up for the production of all of those good hormones that will help you during labor. You know, if you go into panic mode, you'll start producing adrenaline, which will block the hormones that actually serve as painkillers throughout mm. natural painkillers. And so just it's it might be a little thing and please don't worry about other women thinking that you are naive or that you don't know anything, you know. It it is a very intense experience giving birth, but in your case it's maybe like ignorance is a little bit of a bliss because you <laughs> You, but you know, even me, I knew, you know, I'd been through it three times and still I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this again. <laughs> and every contraction I was like, yes, bring it on. I can take this. I yeah. can take more. I mean, go stronger, go more intense. You know, you, you, well, I knew that in order for me to be able to birth and meet my daughter, the contractions had to become super intense. Had they just been at a slightly uncomfortable but very manageable manageable level, you would never have given birth. I mean, I would never have given birth. So you know it's going to have to come to a very strong level. You know you'll probably feel an intense experience of the contractions, but that pain or whatever you wish to call it is not going to kill you. It is a necessity. I mean, Ina, Ina May Gaskin, a very well-known midwife, says the pain of contractions are unique because they don't hurt you in any way mm. or your baby. I mean, that pain in our society, we're so we're so used to managing pain and medicating ourselves if we feel pain. It's very rare that we just sit with it and accept it as part of a good process that will eventually you know, bring us our baby. So there's a lot of mental work to be done. And it's not too early to start thinking about labor, which is why I never... I mean, some schools, they separate a pregnancy yoga for the first and second, third trimester, and then they even, ha even have yoga as preparation for birth hmm. as an own kind of course. I do it all under one because I think it's never too early to start thinking about labor, start preparing for birth, writing your birthing plan, opening up for Everyone knows what happens during birth, but actually to start visualizing that baby's journey out of your belly and into the world is very useful. Mm. And, and also, you know, for, for a woman like yourself who had a very tough first trimester, to see, you know, these glowing women in their third trimester sitting there like Buddhas, you <laughs> know, just 
and this might not be for everyone, but just, I mean, we all have different experiences of the different trimesters, but it's very beneficial for women to see other women at different stages of pregnancy. Because if there's one thing that pregnancy and motherhood teaches us is that everything is changing all the time. So even if you have a very tough first trimester, it might change, you know. And even if you feel like you don't have any energy at all and you could, you know, sleep for the rest of your life, this will change too. Everything is changing all the time and just seeing a a group of diverse women at different stages of pregnancy embodying different experiences of pregnancy is super beneficial. Mm. I love that. It's and and I think it's just such a more accepting inclusive attitude. Yeah, about the whole process and for me that's a big part of <clears throat> You know, as I share my experiences with pregnancy, and I'm I'm going to record an entire podcast episode about how I, I approached con- conscious conception, but making it more accessible and less of a mystery, and how can we share our experiences without shame or without fear that we're going to be judged by other people? And you know, that's one of the reasons I love that so many women are choosing to have a photographer. Yeah. in their delivery and and seeing these these incredibly powerful images um it just every time i see one and i follow a couple of photographers on instagram and from the us i i, I just i get chills in my body when i see that and i'm like wow mm. this is what it can be like yeah Instead of that, just, you know, like, okay, just can they just give me the drugs and knock me out and tell me when it's over kind of attitude. It's just, it's a totally different experience. But I think that experience is informed by the people around us and the, um, the types, I'm trying to think of the right word, like the, um, what we're exposed to. Yeah. And the more, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think that we are witnessing a shift that women are embracing pregnancy and birth as their processes, something that is happening uh, with them and not something that belongs to other people, such as, you know, a doctor or even a midwife, you know, it is my, my birth, my baby, my process. And I think that very much before, you know, women were walking into a birthing unit screaming get this baby out you know Mm. as if it was somebody else's job to get that baby out and I think we are witnessing a shift which is this is like 20 more podcasts oh I know (laughs) but it's like it's connected to a feminization of a lot of aspects of society it's very timely you know women are reclaiming a lot of um a lot of arenas that have been male dominated and that are um that are in a certain way because uh they have been like 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 births you know that how women give birth is largely has largely been dictated by male doctors throughout history mm. so i think women reclaiming this process of birth uh it's a slow but 
it is happening. It's a very, very important process to be able to say, this is my body, this is my baby, this is my birth. And that conscious birthing and conscious parenting in general is very much about, it's not about doing it. I think this is such an important message. It's not about doing it in a one specific way, like this is the right way to give birth or this is the yoga way or this is the modern way or this is the alternative way, this is the natural way. I think all of that is misleading and actually excludes a lot of women. So I think what we need, the message that we need to get through is that of conscious birthing, which means that as a woman, you have rights and opportunities uh, with regards to your delivery and how you want uh, your birth to be and that you feel that you are uh, respected and supported in your choices throughout that process mm-hmm. and that we as women respect each other's choices it's not just the birthing partner or the doctor or midwife who is there when it's happening but that we as women respect our that everyone has their different journey but that it is an empowering thing for a woman to know that she has had these opportunities and these choices she made them and she felt respected and supported throughout mm. I and love so that. I think especially in the yoga world, you know, it's like, oh, so I, <laughs> I'm a yoga teacher. I have been practicing yoga for a couple of 20 years. I have a daily practice. You know, this was my fourth birth. I can afford a doula. You know, a lot of things that makes me very privileged and very lucky and in a unique position to have that kind of birth. Mm. And I think it's, it's, it's a story. It's my story. It's a, it's a good story. I mean, it's, it's a positive story, so it's important to get it out there as it is important to get a lot of other birthing stories out there. But I think it's not for everyone. And it doesn't mean that this is a better birth than anyone else's birth. It's just my birth. Mm. That's so beautiful. It's, I love that. We've got to keep room for our sisters to have their own experience and not compare ourselves to other women's choices or other women's, you know, sometimes we don't have a choice if there is a medical emergency and, you know, it's a lot of times that's the case. So, you know, I, I'm, I talk a lot about starting to visualize labor, preparing mentally and physically, writing a birthing plan, talking to your midwife, your partner, your doula. But ultimately, you know, we can't plan uh, birth. Mm-hmm. We can hope for it. We can certainly prepare for it. But I think how yoga really can help us is, and again, this comes back to accept, uh, by being able to handle whatever is happening, you know, and staying calm throughout, staying connected to our breathing, not panic, and just accepting that, you know, the birth that I am having was, you know, the right birth for me and my baby. And, and again, gratitude that we are, we live in society at a time 
where we can be helped, you know, within minutes if mm. we need, if there is a medical emergency and we need help. You yeah. know, it's again, help and support can come in many forms and the medical, medical is just one, one way, but not all births require medical attention. And that's, I think as a starting point, it's good for women to start believing in their own capacity to give birth. Mm. And then take it from there. Be very grateful that, you know, we can be helped medically if needed. But I, one of the affirmations that I've worked with myself and that I've had a lot of feedback from other women is just, you know, I have everything that I need inside to give birth to this baby. Because that means that if you end up not uh getting the room that you wanted in the abc clinic but having to give birth at a regular birthing ward that's fine you know the external circumstances can <coughs> can be you know a support and a help but it doesn't really matter i mean if you look at how women around the world give birth mm. we are made to give birth to our babies yeah well and <laughs> i'm too old to have to, to have my baby in the ABC. So yeah, well, that decision was made. Too, yeah. With the new guidelines. Yes. Yeah, so see, that's, a, I think that you would, you know, you, did you want to give birth at the ABC originally? Yeah, that was my plan. But yeah. then they said, nope, you're too old. So, yeah, so exactly. it's fine. It's they just changed their guidelines because I'm, I was 40 when I had mob and they told me had you applied, you know, a few months later, it would have been no. Mm. so but that's a great example so you would have liked the abc but you don't need the abc to give birth right right and i one of my children my daughter clara she was born in london uh at a very different uh birthing unit to the abc and i just created my own you know i turned off the lights i pushed all the furniture into the the side of the the room, rolled up my yoga mat, just turned on my music, asked to be left in peace. I kind of created the space that I wanted to have around me. Even if I was at a part of um, a private part of a hospital in London where the cesarean rate is 75%. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's again an example that, uh, yeah. You can you can't control what's happening during labor, but you can to a certain extent uh, prepare yourself to respond in the best possible way to what's happening. Mm. And uh, you know all the tools that we have in yoga, pranayama, affirmations, visualizations, you know all the movements, uh, all the philosophy. We have so many tools. It's yeah, just the best. Uh, way to prepare for birth I mean yoga is such a resource for pregnant women and it's more and more being recognized I mean I have midwives I have doulas I have health workers uh, on my trainings that are eager to learn more about yoga for pregnant women and that's great oh it's so great yeah oh my gosh well we there's so much more we could talk about <laughs> Katrina there's just you know, we haven't even gotten to the postpartum, which I think yeah. is is just as important, uh, the fourth trimester. But if I can say just one, you know, it's always 
very difficult to, to, to get pregnant women to look beyond birth. It's just this massive mountain that is covering their whole horizon. Mm. They know they have to get over and safely down on the other side. But if, you know, um, I would say just a few things regarding that. A, a rule that I, or like rule of thumb that I managed to follow even with three other kids this time was <clears throat> after giving birth, you know, the five, five, five. Have you heard about this? No, five I haven't. Days. So spend five days in bed, five days on the bed, and five days near the bed. Hmm. So that's that's your first two weeks, you know, covered. <laughs> and yeah, that's you know that's the that's the time when you are on all levels in a bit of a shock, uh, and where there is absolutely no sense or rhythm or routine to everything. I mean, you might have a very strong sense of you know. Uh, being a mom or love or but most likely everything will just be complete chaos and if you want to breastfeed the two first weeks are incredibly crucial uh, I think if you manage to follow this five days in bed five days on the bed five days near the bed as a minimum I mean more is better but as a minimum that's great and the other thing which is really interesting is to write a postpartum plan. Mm. So uh, a lot of women write a birthing plan. And even if the midwives or the doctors never actually get around to reading it or everything happens differently to what you've written in your, it doesn't matter. I think the, the beneficial part of, of that is actually thinking through the birth and becoming conscious of all the different aspects and of all the choices that you actually have and just thinking about it discussing it with your partner and and in the same way writing a postpartum plan especially you know I think for everyone whether it's your first whether you have other children that needs tending to you know if you live in the country if if you live in the city, if you have your whole family around you, if you're pretty isolated, I think for everyone it could be really useful to think through um, very basic things such as um, what will I eat, who will you know do the shopping, cook the food, uh, maybe even you know serve me the food, uh, who will how will we do it you know who will get up at night with me all the time or my partner 50 50 uh will we see say yes to people who want to come and see the baby um where do we put the like how do we want these visits to be like you know yeah. it's, it, i even now very often it's like people call and say they want to see the baby and it actually ends up me cooking for like six people and oh, sitting yeah. here <laughs> and people you know they it's it's great they want to see the baby but no one ever asks about birth or very rarely asks about your experience of labor you know that they come and they talk about the baby for a while and then they just end up talking about themselves for the most part <laughs> <laughs> so you're like 
sit there, yawn, and the milk is just pressing, and you just want to go upstairs and crawl under the covers with a baby, and you find yourself entertaining, you know. Baby. Yeah. So this is a. It's so difficult because it's you really want to be accommodating, and it's genuinely very nice that people are interested especially when it's number four <laughs> like oh you're still interested that's great but just thinking through these things like how can we you know welcome our family and friends without me having to exhaust myself preparing for those visits that's a little thing that would mean a lot to the first few weeks where you actually should be spending yeah all the time uh, in quiet, you know, a quiet time with your baby. Yeah. Well, that's, that, uh, that's an area where I'm, I actually have spent a lot of time considering, um, how that's going to look for myself and my family. And I'm going to be practicing, uh, a 42 day Ayurvedic confinement. And so yeah. it's <clears throat> the whole, the whole idea is how do we mother the mother? Yeah. During that time, the baby's going to be fine. The baby, like you said, everybody always cares about the baby. So the baby's going to be taken care of and the baby's going to be fine. But it's the mom that often gets forgotten about. And then it's such a crucial time for the mother to heal physically, yeah. but also mentally and emotionally. And, um, yeah. you know, I've been very clear with both my family <clears throat> and my husband's family. You can either come see us right when the baby's born, when we're in the hospital. Yeah. Or you have to wait 42 days. Yeah. And that's the same rule I'm going to have with anybody. Um, yeah. I love the Ayurvedic approach to this. It's, oh, it's, it's so great. It's incredible. Uh, and also it's very, um, it's, it's quite remote from how most people uh, approach it and think that they have to approach it. It's very important for new moms to know that they don't, own it to anyone to yes. see their baby you know that they're equally sweet in you know two weeks or three weeks or after 42 days or after those 15 days you know it's they don't own it to anyone to um to, to come and hold your baby if you don't feel ready for it yeah it's just how do we rebuild our ojas and our healthy energy reserves and <clears throat> Yeah, I've I've been very clear with my husband too. I'm like <laughs> that I'm not going to be doing the cleaning, I'm not going to be doing the cooking and and I'm lucky my husband's mostly on board. Um but it's he knew so good. Yeah, thinking well, of all this. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I did a training in it um but yeah. you know, it's yeah, I I have my menu planned out every day of of my postpartum period and and most of the food will have been made ahead of time and it's very um, but you're right. I think a lot of women don't think about that. As and I think, you know, you are incredibly well prepared and most probably something will happen that, oh, yeah. will, not, <laughs> that will not, you know, uh, allow you to follow the plan 100%. And Absolutely. I think this is, you know, this is motherhood. You know, that's, I think nature always kind of triumphs. Uh, just the fact that we, you know, have no idea of how to predict exactly when the baby will come. It's just nature uh, reminding us again that we are not, you know, in control of this. We can plan, we can prepare, and I think it's so important to do that. But uh, equally important is the practice of letting, letting go. 
you know, those plans and, and being able to, to say, okay, I had planned this, but now this happened. So we will have to adjust. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I want to wrap up here. I mean, I don't want to, but I know you have your, your little babies coming back from a walk shortly and and have other things to get to today. But, um, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and be on the podcast. And, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to your website. And do you have any, I know you're, you're on, um, your maternity leave right now, but are you, when's your next teacher training coming up? Do you know? Yeah, my next uh, pregnancy yoga teacher training is coming up in September okay. at Ushlo Yoga. Great. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested who are listening. So um, I'll put a link to that as well. So if people want to go check it out, they can certainly do that. And, um, and thank you for sharing all of your incredibly uh, awakened and conscious uh, thoughts about conception, pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Yeah. You're such an inspiration. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I'm figuring it out as I go, but I think that's... Um, we all are. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then we, we share what we learn, and that's all we can do. Exactly. And if yeah. it helps someone, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine, too. We're, yeah. we're, we're living our own life. Still and, supporting, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me yes, on. Yes, thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.